We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. And we are officially in the week of the biggest game of the year. Um, I don't think there's been a more hyped, more important game than this upcoming Thursday night matchup versus the Chiefs than 2018 when we played the Chiefs pretty much for the division that we kind of choked away the loss to the Ravens, um, I believe, the week after. But you know, this is probably going to be the game that decides who wins the AFC West. Whoever wins the whoever wins this game on Thursday, pretty much, you know, they control their own destiny. So I think it is very important that the Chargers do not, and we as fans don't, kind of overlook the idea that this is for the division. I understand all the storylines will be Herbert versus Mahomes, or you know, Staley versus Andy Reid, and all of that. But this is truly a game that will determine seating and who wins the division so um, I'm going to go over the Giants game just real quick because I do want to focus a lot of the video on the Chiefs and kind of like what the playoff probabilities are um, talk about what we did previously because I believe this is the first video like preview video I've made of the, the second time we've played a team so I'm going to go over what we did versus the Chiefs defensively and how that kind of worked and then what teams have been doing against the Chiefs and, you know, some ways to exploit. And then we'll talk about their defense a little bit. But, yeah, let, let's – I mean, let's just start with with this game against the Giants. I mean, J- Justin Herbert is, is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think this game confirmed it. I know the Giants were missing, you know, Adore Jackson and, you know, a couple of their um, – a couple of their starters on defense. But, man, I mean – Guys, that 60-yard throw, 60, I believe 63.8 yards in the air while getting hit. I mean, like, there's only one other quarterback, in my opinion, that can make that throw consistently and accurately. And we're playing him on Thursday, right? But uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you, you would have saw that I tweeted out Justin Herbert's might be the best quarterback in the NFL, and I'm not kidding. I wasn't kidding at the time when I said that. I st- you know, obviously it's kind of a hyperbole. You just, you know, say things in, in the moment when you have the emotions running through you. Um, but I do believe with his arm talent and his arm strength, I mean, the raw, like the raw arm strength, the arm power, the, the ability to just throw the ball down the field at any given time. I believe that's what separates him from every other quarterback in the NFL. And once him and Staley develop that, 
quarterback head coaching relationship where Staley's teaching Herbert how to diagnose and read defenses, he might he might be the best quarterback in the NFL for um, like a number of years. But like I said, first year in the relationship, first year with Joe Lombardi, you know, I, I still think Herbert's a top five quarterback. I mean, you won't like there's just some things that you won't be able to move me off of. I know some of the stats might may or may not back it up, blah, blah, blah. To me, you know, you have Mahomes, Rogers, like I believe you have to give them the credit where it's due. Kyler's been playing well. Brady, as much as I hate to say it, he's probably going to win MVP, so you have to put him in the top five. And then, I mean, Herbert's been playing better than Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford and, you know, pretty much the rest of the guys you could potentially put in the top five. Um, so, yeah, so real quick, let's talk about the Giants. Um, you know, the Chargers were abnormally good on, on late downs. I mean, recording pretty much a 0.9 EPA per play on third downs is absurd. Justin Herbert almost had added Justin Herbert almost added one point on every third down so he had 10 third down plays he almost added a point on every single one of them which kind of makes sense because he threw the the, the 60 yard touchdown with 20 seconds left um you know uh for six points so that's obviously going to add a lot of EPA and then the third and one third and goal you know he made the pass also so great performance by the Chargers overall I mean you love to look at all the screen you love to see all the screen um, obviously you want to see kind of this EPA go more towards the early downs. You don't want to be dependent on late downs like we were early, early in the season, but you know, it, it's still good to see that Justin Herbert's succeeding. Um, and you know, this graph is one I made for Twitter. You can see that, um, the lines represent cumulative EPA. So like, this is not on a per play basis. This is like all plays considered. So this obviously does take into account volume and things of that nature, but I mean, at this point where Justin Herbert and Mahomes are, they are the two best quarterbacks in terms of total EPA. We're getting the two best quarterbacks, you know, on prime time. In fact, my guy Tage actually put this together. Just since 2018, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes have been the two of the best three quarterbacks on prime time, which is all, like, it's like Herbert's been really, really good compared to the rest. I mean, the difference between Herbert who's number one um, and Watson, who's number two is almost the difference between like number two and number five or number six. Right. So that's great to see, you know, I'm really excited. I hope this doesn't turn into a boring, um, you know, defensive game where the score ends up like 20 to 17. You know, I do as much as I hate, you know, like kind of the intense games, you do kind of want to see a shootout more than defensive battle. Um, and last thing I wanted to talk about, you know, before we go into the chiefs uh, very deeply, the Chargers have done a great job of, you know, keeping things balanced. And they, uh, I made this graph, this is more of a Burrow graph, but I also made this for the Chargers because, you know, you, know, you kind of want to compare Bur Burrow and Herbert. So this is looking at their pass rate over expected. So this is basically saying, this is the down and distance. This is the time left in the quarter. This is the team's win probability. Um, how, what is the expected probability that they should pass the ball? The Chargers have passed the ball over expected um, on early downs in uh, like over zero. They're, so they've had a positive pass rate over expected in 11 of their 13 games. You know, the past four games have been pretty good. I personally have thought, has th I personally have thought, I personally think that Joe Lombardi has done a tremendous job the last four weeks um, calling plays. I've definitely changed my stance on him. I, you know, I think when you start off so hot, the expectations are so high for you to continue that defenses are going to catch on. 
And, and I, I realized that in the first five weeks, you're pretty much calling the plays that you install during training camp. Then the next couple of weeks is about installing new plays. Like it's not stuff that you have, you have a lot of time to run um, in practice because, you know, practices are only like two hours. So when you're installing new plays, it could take some time for it to actually work. So that's where we saw, you know, the Patriots, the Ravens, uh, the, the Vikings game where, you know, Herbert kind of struggled, but the play calling was kind of, you know, up and down. The last four weeks, we've really seen this, you know, rise of Herbert and some really good play calling by Lombardi that was like that was evident pretty much in the game against the Giants. So let's talk about what the Chargers did versus the Chiefs. So I think first thing we have to talk about um, this is by the so this graph was made by the director of analytics, Michael Lopez, you can see here. Um, he's the he's the director of data and analytics at the NFL. So he actually works for the NFL. Um, but you can see that the Chargers, so he made this graph to, to show that the Chargers have had the most um, variant or like they've, they've had the most, not volatile, but like they've changed their coverages the most throughout the year. Like they're never going to play the same coverage game after game like, you know, Gus Bradley did where he literally ran the same game plan he did versus the Chiefs and he got lit up for another 40 piece uh, this time in Kansas City. We're not here to talk about Gus Bradley, though. We're here to talk about Brandon Sealy. So you can see, like, the Chargers, the their bars, you know, in terms of length for each color is, you know, it's almost different week to week, which is interesting. Like, you, we talk about, does this coaching staff know how to adjust um, in-game versus pre-game? Like, do they change up their game plans? And I think Brandon Sealy does a good job of that. Um, so let's talk about what he did versus the Chiefs back in week three. So as you can see, he ran cover one 50 times against Patrick Mahomes. Um, mind you, this was, I believe, the game we didn't have Chris Harris, so we were starting Michael Davis, Asante, and Tavon Campbell. This was the Tavon Campbell breakout game. This was the game that everyone overreacted to and said, oh, this is, you know, Tavon Campbell might be the best corner on the Chargers because he locked a Tyree kill, and he had two peanut punches, which, you know, that's great to see, but turnovers are fluky. And that's the thing we should we have to remember. Turnovers are fluky, and most of the time, turnovers are not forced by the defense. They are mistakes made by the offense. So what that what that means is like interceptions are mainly a are kind of a result of right place, right time. Like at the end of the day, most interceptions are caused by a quarterback either making a bad read or a bad throw, unless a cornerback is in man coverage. Um, where it's really a one-on-one -on -one situation and they, you know, turn their head and make a good play, an interception, an interception is usually on the quarterback. Now, fumbles are kind of lucky. Fumble recoveries are very lucky, obviously, because, like, you know, that can swing both ways. I think strip sacks are one of the most – are one of the best stats at evaluating, like, defensive turnovers because strip sacks are – a defensive player getting a sack and stripping the ball out like Joey Bosa has done five times this year, which is absolutely insane. So we look at like the four turnovers we forced versus the Chiefs. The two peanut punches were great by Tavon Campbell, right? The the interception on the Mahomes no-look pass was kind of lucky. And then, you know, the, the interception by Alohi Gilman at the end of the game, like he didn't really create that turnover. That was just a bad read by Mahomes, right? So what I'm trying to say is we can't be reliant on the Chiefs uh, turning the ball over for us to win this game. This game is going to come down to us getting stops, us calling good defensive plays. And I, I mean, I just don't know what Brandon Silly is going to do because you can see they ran cover one 50 times. They barely ran cover three. 
They barely ran four cover four or two man. They ran a decent amount of cover six. Pretty much their game plan was okay. We're sticking you in man. So I'm gonna give you the game plan. We're gonna put Tavon Campbell on Tyree Kill, Michael Davis on Travis Kelsey. We're gonna play cover one. We're gonna have a robber go over the middle. Usually, I think that robber is probably gonna be like Kaiser or maybe even Derwin James. They might. St- uh, I think I saw Derwin James covering like the slot receiver on a bunch of those routes. Um, you know, in the Chiefs game in week three. But what they're saying is we're going to have our linebacker or our safety play as the robber, taking away any of those crossing routes. We're, gonna, we're just going to put Naz in the deep part of the field. And if there's any deep corner routes or deep post routes, we want Naz to follow that along with one of our corners. That's what they were doing in week three. Will they continue to do that? I don't know. Because if we look at, um, you know, the, the coverages, that how that uh, teams have been playing against Patrick Mahomes this year, you know, it, it is a little bit, it is a little bit different than, you know, what we've c- kind of like come to expect. Right. Um, you can see like a lot of teams play a lot of cover three, a lot of cover one, four and six. Like you, you know, this isn't like the type of like defenses we're normally accustomed to. And if we look at how well Patrick Mahomes has played against each coverage, um, again, uh, while this is loading, this is the website called the kneel down by a fellow intern at PFF, Ryan Wiseman. He makes all of this coverage data for free for people to look at. So make sure to go check him out on Twitter at Ryan Wiseman 12, but we can see like Mahomes hasn't been exceptionally good at any cover, like facing any coverage. Um, he's been exceptionally bad against cover zero, um, which is weird. Uh, because teams have stopped blitzing Mahomes because of cover zero, because of how good he's been against cover zero in the past. Like if we watch that Bucks Chiefs, the first Bucks Chiefs, Bucks Chiefs game in you know 2020, they absolutely like Mahomes absolutely killed them when they ran cover zero. So for him to be absolutely bad, this could just be a result of a small sample size, which I'm sure it is. Um, but you can see like he hasn't been good against cover one, has not really been good against cover two. He's been above average against cover three, four, and six. So, like I said, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Staley concocts against this Chiefs offense. You know, if Asante comes back, do we do we play Tavon Campbell over him? Like, do you prioritize speed over instincts over like actual like being a good cornerback? That's going to be interesting to see. You know what Staley does, and I think the main thing is if if Derwin James isn't healthy, we are going to have serious issues because, um, you know, I'm not I would not want to put Trey Marshall out there against the Chiefs speed because we, we are going to have serious issues. Last thing I want to talk about about the Chiefs offense. Um, they run a ton of inside zone, which is not good, like not a really good thing for us, especially when he, if you have a guy like Jerry Tillery in there, they're just going to run right at him. Like that's what the Chiefs do. They exploit teams weaknesses. They're going to run right at Jerry Tillery. And if he's not, you know, physical, if he's not trying, we're going to have issues against the run. Um, because the Chiefs have kind of developed like an RPO system as part of their offense now, which um, I think has not really like worked out because they do run the ball more than a pass. And since running is less effective than passing, you know, RPOs in itself are not really a good thing. But like I said, they run a ton of zone plays, more inside zone than outside zone. But that's another thing to keep in mind. And so finally, let us talk about this defense. The Chiefs defense since week nine has been the third best defense in the league. Okay. Now they haven't really played anyone good. Okay. I'll, I'll say that they played Derek Carr twice. And mind you, this is second half of the season, Derek Carr with no Henry Ruggs and no Darren Waller for the second Chiefs game. 
They played Daniel Jones. They played Teddy Bridgewater. At, and they played at home like five of their last six games. So it's not like the Chiefs' defense has been like impressive against good competition. They're just beating up on bad competition, but still they're, you know, they're playing well. And I think part of that has to do with the Melvin Ingram trade. I mean, you know, getting him allows Chris Jones to move back inside his natural position. And they've been one of the better pass rushing teams for the past, you know, three, four weeks. So I'm, so my take on it would be, I don't think the Chiefs are an elite defense. Obviously they're not an elite defense. I don't even think they're above average. I think they're right at that maybe average to below average range um, on a good day or on a good day, they're, you know, good. But on an average day, they would probably fall in that like 15 to 20 range in, turn, in terms of EPA per play. Um, I think Sp Steve Spagnolo is not as bad as people make him out to be. I don't, I don't think he's had, you know, great, you know, personnel uh, to, I don't think he's had great personnel to work with. And once he finally made the decision to bench Daniel Sorensen for Juan Thornhill, his defense has gotten progressively better. Now, will, what will they do versus the Chargers? I don't know because, you know, Spags likes to mix his de defense up week to week. What I'm not excited for is the Melvin Ingram revenge game against Storm Norton. So whatever the case, whatever our offensive game plan is going to be, I really hope it doesn't involve leaving Storm Norton on an island one-on-one. -on -one. In fact, I'm very scared of Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram lining up side by side on the, against the right side of our offensive line. So if that happens, I want us to motion a tight end or running back and chip on every single pass play because Justin Herbert goes as this offensive line goes. And if this offensive line is going to is struggling, it's, we're going to be in for a long day. So the last thing we're going to look at before we wrap up the video, just, you know, the playoff, like what, what's going to happen if we win? So as you can see, I clicked this too early. Okay. So as of right now, we have a 36% chance to win the division. Chiefs have a 60% chance, right? We have an 86% chance to make the playoffs. So as of right now, we control our own destiny in terms of making the playoffs. If we beat the Chiefs, we have an 81, we have a 70, okay. We have a 71% chance to win the division, 96% chance to make the playoffs. So basically we win this game, we have the higher chance to win the division because we own the time tiebreaker. Uh, this is by 538. So their, their projections would put us at, at, at an advantage to win the division and make the playoffs and would give us a 9% chance to win the Super Bowl and a 17% chance to earn a first round bye. If we lose the game, though, against the Chiefs, what would happen is, you know, obviously our... Um, our division, division chances would fall. I'm sorry for my computer being a little bit slow. It's kind of tough to record and run this um, algorithm at the same time. But I mean, I think everyone understands what would happen if, if, we, uh, if we lost the game. Obviously our division chances would probably be extinct at that point because we would be expecting Kansas City Chiefs um, collapse down the stretch, which I just don't think is gonna happen. But pretty much we win this game, then it's Texans, shitty Raiders, Broncos. Or, Texans, Broncos, shitty Raiders. So if we want to make the playoffs, or win the division, get home field advantage, all of that, it starts with this Thursday. And, you know, everyone has to be on, on the same page. It sucks that it's a Thursday night game with all the injuries, you know, that could potentially be in play. I 
you know, I'm recording this on Monday, so I have no idea what the injury situation is. Austin Eckler, Derwin James, yada, yada, yada. But it is going to be a very important game, and I don't think that can be understated. The, the Chargers offense has been humming the past four weeks. Joe Lombardi's been in his bag. Justin Herbert's launching deep balls. His EPA is, is, is one of the best in the league now, same with his PFF grade. I just want to see him continuously get better. And I think this game against the Chiefs will go a long way in, in showing his development on primetime for the entire, for, you know, the entire United States this season. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm really excited for it. Hopefully the energy is loud and so fine, all of that good stuff. But yeah, if you made it to the end of the video, thank you. Thank you all. But with that, as always, bolt up. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.